All right, well, welcome to another episode of Digging Deeper, another first timer. Last week we had Pastor Mike, and this week I'm joined with Pastor Anthony. Oh, you want to go with Pastor Anthony? Yeah, spice Anthony it up Hall, all the, the way. new youth pastor here at Rise City Church. Yep. Excited to have you here. And uh, yesterday was Vision Sunday, and for the most part, it was a major emphasis on the next generation mm. and excited to have you share today just talking about the next generation specifically middle school and high school yeah but hey welcome to the podcast thank you also welcome to this rise city great. church man i do have a is that a new guitar in it the background is, it is um <laughs> i couldn't help but notice it's a gibson that is bins and okay. john cried when he had to take his martin down but there's a debate okay. that's going between gibson and martin you can let Ben and Jean know, but yeah, yeah. thanks for adding you can that comment to the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I knew it. But seriously, I'm honored to be here. I'm excited. I was telling Pete, this is it. Like I, I feel like You've this arrived. is my peak. I'm about to plateau for a week or two, and then it's all downhill from here. <laughs> so I'm oh, looking forward man. to it. Well, I'm going to start with a, uh, an easy question. We'll do softball questions. You like softball, right? right? You, oh, yeah. You slow like pitch. That. Slow okay. pitch. Okay. So... New youth pastor, been doing youth ministry for a few years now. I mean, what are some of your absolute favorite things about being a youth pastor? Oh, that's great. Uh, I mean, there's the list is long. It goes on and on, honestly. But I would say one of my favorite things is uh, I I was around a youth pastor in my like kind of beginning stages of following Jesus, who was very, very like good at teaching and. Not, like not a knock to him, but just relationships were not like his go-to thing, like as far as prioritizing and personally knowing people. But that's how I am naturally. Mm. Like I'd much rather like us spend time together than me have to <laughs> teach you, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so my favorite thing, like number one, is actually spending time with students. Awesome. And it's also so cool because they're so interesting. And even though at times I'm like, man, I remember high school like it was yesterday. I feel like I still understand it all. I, you hang around them for 20 minutes and you're like, Man, it's actually way different than it was when I was in high school. <laughs> Which wasn't even if it feels very so long ago. No, 2017 is when yeah, I graduated. Okay. Yeah, so, things have changed a lot since then. Yeah, oh, like crazy. Okay. It's it's crazy. So that's one of my favorite things is spending time with with students. And then the other thing is directly tied to like their spiritual growth. So I remember just nothing prepared me for what it would actually be like to see students grow in their relationship with Jesus until I saw it. Saul, yeah. I said Saul. There's not an L in that <laughs> word. But until I actually saw it, it was like nothing could prepare me for it. So it was pretty cool. But those are probably my top two things if I could go on and on, like okay. I said, though. Cool. What are some things that you're seeing currently in the next generation? And when I say that I'm referring particularly middle school and high school uh, that really excite you about this group, especially in terms of kingdom impact. Yeah. And then also maybe <clears throat> what are some things that are deeply concerning to you when you look at the next generation? Yeah. Great. Again, great questions. Not hey, man, as much of a softball. I was, <laughs> We're going to move from softball. <laughs> so gonna get, I'm going to start throwing some 98 mile per hour heaters here in <laughs> yeah, a minute, I know, right? so be ready. Uh, yeah, I mean, great questions. Well, the, I'd say one of the most exciting things, I talked about it a little bit in the video on Sunday, but students really are hungry. I almost said kids, but kids too, but students are hungry yeah. for a relationship with God. Like even if they don't know it, I've seen you can see that their curiosity is like kind of kind of always running it really in the world in general so even taking god out of it kids are curious which could be very dangerous but i've noticed that when i get the students into uh, the youth room, the, the students who maybe have never stepped foot in church or aren't comfortable in church or maybe label as out, 
like labeled as outcasted to the church, those are the students who are like, not only are they curious and hungry, but they like, they want to know. So I'm, it, it turns from a conversation to they come back the next week and they're like, Hey, I, I, I was re- reading about it this week and I found this, 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 and it's just been mind blowing to see. I'm like, man, you actually care about finding the answer to this, yeah. like it, the, finding some truth to actually hold on to. And yeah. it's like, it's, good. it's awesome to see that it's not good enough uh, for like what they hear from their friends isn't just good enough for them to solidly believe it. And also what I say isn't good. Cause I think it's, I mean, it's good to like develop that critical thinking. And then yeah. as far as concerning things, I think there's a couple I could think of, but overall this there's it just seems to be like such a disconnection between our identity or mm. the student's identity. So I would say that that, I mean, like I said, it's deep, but I would say it, it more so I feel like recently I've been thinking about it and I think it lies more in people not understanding who God is and students students not understanding God's identity. Um, and, and that's kind of where it starts. So I'd say identity issues are such a big thing because, I mean, you've seen it nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like there's just oh, yeah. like, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So especially in the lives of teenagers, middle schoolers and high schools, high schoolers, it's like such a critical time of you're trying to figure out who you are that you get, you know, 40 different people saying you're this, or you can be this, or you did that once. Now you're this or blah, 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 that it's like, man, no wonder there's just this giant fog over who am I as a student? Yeah. So that's probably the most concerning. Yeah. I, I think that you and your role, Hmm. um, you're probably in the most formative identity shaping times in someone's yeah. life. Uh, no pressure. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. a big like, deal. Oof. But I mean, man, that is, that's a huge time in someone's life to understand who they are, purpose and all those types mm-hmm. of things. Um, so you grew up Albuquerque, New Mexico, yeah. um, and then eventually went away to Bible college and then had a job as a youth pastor in mm-hmm. Springfield, Missouri, before moving out here to Cali. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you had a you had a little stint in the Midwest. Yep. Um, and then your Bible college was kind of in the Midwest as well. Mm-hmm. What's it been like moving to California? Like culturally, like what's what's been what you expected? What's kind of taking you by surprise? Yeah. This is a great question. Um it, it honestly, I feel like I, I don't have a kid, so I can't even speak to this, but I always hear people say, You don't know what it's like to parent till you have a kid. And I feel like it's me moving to California is similar to that because I had all these ideas in my head of what people who have lived here before said about it, good and bad, what people, people I knew who lived here were saying about it, good and bad. And then just in my own, I mean, you Google California and yeah, you'll get a ton you of will get, you will get some search, stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, I mean, I, I had thought that I had kind of bridged myself from Springfield, Missouri to San Diego, California in my head. And then I got here and probably two days in, I was like, this is not at all what not I expected. Not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, exactly. Literally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in Missouri anymore. And so it was just, I'd say- so the, what, it, what was different? Like, what made you say that? Like, people are, this isn't, I'm not, I don't want to put everyone in a box, sure. but in general, people are, well, I Mar- feel- Mariah does that with the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah. So we'll let her do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Three specifically. <laughs> yeah. No, but people, it just seems like people are way, way less social. Hmm. Um, like I, it wasn't very welcoming to be honest. Like the, the people I was around that I guess knew that they were going to see me more often were more welcoming. But even yeah. then there's like, it doesn't feel like there's this sense of like, we're so happy you're here. <laughs> like overall, <laughs> okay. which again, I, I, it didn't make me sad or anything, but I was just expecting, I was like, 
in my mind, I'm like, I move into like the Mecca. Like this is the promised <laughs> land. Like you got the beach. You can yeah. drive two hours and snowboard. You got hiking so every day. Happy Perfect all weather. Time and, yeah. I was okay. like, why would it? And then I get here and, and people, everyone complains. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you live in Springfield for two weeks and I promise <laughs> you're not going to feel like this. And so, uh, I mean that, and, and then there's like, it is, I will say like, so I didn't grow up in church, but yeah. I'm used to being around people who uh, are not church or mm-hmm. what it, like not de church, but never been reached, never set foot. That's what I'm used to more than anything. But these last few years, I think I haven't realized how surrounded I've been with like a like church, church, people? church people. Yeah. Okay. And like in the Midwest, everyone identifies with the church. So mm-hmm. they've either been to a church and have like, what they'd label church hurt or they've been to 40 churches and they're trying to find their home or they went to church growing up. And out here it's like the majority of the people I've encountered are like church. Like yeah. not only it does it seem like they don't have a history with it, but they're just not interested. So it's a very like, yeah. as a pastor, that's something you have to navigate, especially it's when it's yeah. like, you know, there, when there is no curiosity about it, it's like, how do you, how do I bring this up? Yeah. So those yeah. are just I remember two. the part of the normal conversations yeah. in the Midwest are like people just asking, Oh, yep. you going to church this weekend? Like that's not a part of yeah, normal it's conversations. Such a common thing. Yeah. And out here it's, it's not at all. Like huh. everyone, like the majority of the people I was meeting, I mean the life, like the heartbeat of San Diego when I first moved here is they were like, everyone's like, you got to go to what gas lamp I think it's called on Saturday <laughs> nights. You get it, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Saturday nights, I do nothing. <laughs> I'm like, I got my big day Sunday. Yeah. Like, that's game day. Yeah. And everyone's just like, well, well, you could, surely you could go. You could, and I'm just like, that's so weird to me. Huh. And this is same topic, but different note. They play like sports on Sundays and stuff here. Oh, like, yeah. even in New Mexico, I didn't grow up as a Christian. You're and talking I about knew, youth sports? And yeah, all like that kind of Sundays yeah, yeah. were a sacred day. Yeah. Like, not even, even if you didn't attend church, like, stuff just didn't happen right. on Sundays. Yeah. So, really, everything is completely different than I yeah, had expected a big learning curve and prepared for. You, for. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a lot. And I'd say I'm about 30% through that learning. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when, when Jamie and I moved out here 10 years ago, like our biggest thing that we noticed, yeah. and, and it's positive and negative to it, but like in the Midwest, mm-hmm. uh, because there is that kind of Christian culture, um, everybody kind of presents themselves that way. Yeah. But it's really hard to get underneath the surface and for people to be vulnerable and real about the things that they're dealing with. Oh. When you get out here, there's not that veneer. Everyone's just like, this is who I am. Yeah. And they quickly are very open and vulnerable, which is really good. But there's no consciousness mm-hmm. about like what's right or wrong. It's just kind of like, eh, do yeah. you do you, whatever you want and all That's that kind so of true. stuff. That's, I was just talking to someone about this the other day, but I, I, I get exactly <laughs> what you say. Like it feels like people are more like vulnerable initially but it's like not in the sense of like, here's what I'm walking through or here's where I'm like, here's the areas I struggle. Like they just put it all on the table and it's kind of just like they're content with that. Like it's <laughs> yeah. like, and that's me. And I'm like, yeah. like, is that who you want to be? He's like, yeah. are you sure that's the healthiest you? Yeah, so, that's true. It's super that's interesting. True. So kind of piggybacking off the yeah. kind of the notion of vulnerability, shared a video yesterday of your, your story. Yep. And uh, I mean, a lot of raw elements in that yeah. in particular. Um, essentially, it's the story of a drug dealer who becomes a youth pastor. Is that a fair? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You could sum it up as that. I mean, yeah. that's, my, that's what my son <laughs> took from it. So my nine-year-old, who I think immediately came up to you after, he's like, Anthony, did you, did you really sell him to drugs? <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of like... And I said, yes. And then he goes... You were a drug dealer? <laughs> yeah. So that was our dinner conversation last night. <laughs> Sorry Dad, about you hired that. a drug dealer. Awesome. <laughs> But I am, I am curious, like, because there's a, it's an incredible story of transformation of how yeah. God met you and 
transformed you and a radical work in, in the last five years. I, yeah. I'm curious as, as a youth pastor, because five years isn't a long time, but how Definitely. how do you both use the story that you have, what God's brought you through to to minister to teenagers, but at the same time, be cautious not to like have them look at you and be like, oh, well, Anthony did that. Yeah. And, uh, it's not, it turned out okay for him and, and not yeah. really advocate some of the things that, that were part of your past, but to use them to help encourage yeah. others. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's that's one of the things that I, even in my own personal life, I had to kind of walk through because, to be honest, when I like when I first accepted Jesus and my life was like, like I talked about, I mean, it was like a three-week turnover from I, I felt like I experienced God for the first time, accepted Jesus, three weeks later went to Bible college. So, so my life was like radically changed yeah. immediately. Yeah. And I felt so ashamed about like my story hmm. and my origin and who I was and like the life I lived before. And I could go into further detail on that. A lot of it was the way that I felt like Christian uh, classmates of mine in college treated me because they knew I didn't grow up in church. Mm. So when I stepped in as a youth pastor, I I really had to wrestle with myself. Like I know that like my story's powerful and God has brought me through. I mean, so 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 much. And then it was really like, what's that line between communicating this in a confident way, saying like, this is where I was. Here's why where where here's why the place I was at was not okay. And here's how God brought me to where I am now. And it was like, honestly, I, even when I started at my last church, my first role as a youth pastor, it was like my full story, full testimony was probably two, three month process for me to like wrestle with myself to finally get to a spot where I was comfortable with sharing Mm. because I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And that's what I was so worried of is like, I don't want to, one, I don't want to scare people away. Like I said, it was coming from an area where there was tons of people who were church. So the majority of the pastors they had are like pastor's kids or have been in ministry forever. And now they have a guy who's like, this is my first ministry job. And I used to do cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, oh, we didn't say the drug choice. Okay. So Coke is the, okay, keep going. (laughs) And so, but uh, but it's a real thing. You're California, man. Just lay it out there now. (laughs) Yeah, that's who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Who I was. And so, uh, yeah, that's something I really wanted to, to make sure I had right and work through fully in my own personal life. Um, before I ever communicated it because I don't ever want kids to like you said to look at it and see it from like a side of validation like Mm. oh it's okay for me to to be content with doing wrong or be content with knowing that I'm not in the spot where God would want me to be because eventually I will be there Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's just I mean you're just going to waste a lot of time doing that well I think truthfully radical stories Mm. are outliers more than the norm yeah for sure and I'm, I'm curious like so you had this radical moment of transformation, yeah. But over the last five, six years, like, I mean, has there been moments that your past has crept back in, and like, and, and just been like, it's just hard to kind of deal with, or things that you're like still working through of regret or right. any of that, because or even an addiction for that matter. Like, I, I mean, yeah. what's that been like? Because I think sometimes you you can hear like, oh, it was a radical transformation, and everything, then all of a sudden just one eighty, and things are great. But I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's not the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I could probably sum that up into like three, like three point. I'm the youth pastor. So I got to do three point system or so something. It's but it's got to the same yeah, first, uh, letter. First yeah, exactly. Point. Alliteration. Yeah, yeah. Alliteration there. Okay. Uh, no, but true story. Like it, it really, it, it was difficult. Like I would, when I say radical, I don't mean like immediately every single issue I have was 180 into mm. I'm living this perfect life. What I mean is just to go from what, like 
I felt like I had never believed in God, experienced God to then in that moment when I closed my eyes during that worship set to be like overwhelmed with love. And like I said, I, that is what I mean by radical is how the, the power of that moment. And so the process afterwards, uh, was very difficult. And actually I preached about this yesterday in youth, but there's, there's a big difference between, uh, accepting Jesus as your savior and accepting Jesus as your Lord and living, living a life after him. Right. And so for me, I, that was, I mean, there was immediate hurdles. The first thing I wanted to take everyone with me. I was, I was like in the the Ricky Bobby phase of of <laughs> being saved. I was just like, I want to tell everyone, I was like, I'm on fire. <laughs> like, I just run around like I, I wanted to bring everybody with me. So I, 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 I mean, that was the first hurdle I had was understanding that I wasn't everyone else's savior because mm. I got back and I mean, everyone in my life, even my family, was kind of just like. Uh, what happened? Like they were either I think it's more of a completely, phase maybe, yeah. Or, like yeah, they yeah. were either not like completely unsupportive and aggressive towards it being weird, or even if you like loved me and were super close with me, they were confused because they're just like, here's this kid who's now completely different. Yeah, over like he was gone a week at this camp, and now he's a completely different kid. And and on top of that, I was so excited. Like I was literally telling everyone, I was just like, hey, have you heard about God? You know, he, you know what Jesus did? He yeah. gave his life for you. And like, just so excited, like not even understanding that people couldn't co- like comprehend what I was saying. They were in the same spot as I was a week before. Yeah. So that was a big hurdle is understanding I couldn't bring everyone with me. The second thing is, uh, I also mentioned that video, but addiction for sure yeah. was like, uh, when, when you're in it and you're not aware, it's like, I didn't live with like conviction, to be honest. So yeah. I would feel like, like what I was doing didn't feel wrong. Maybe at times I would I would question and have have a thought of what if I lived like blank or what if I wasn't doing blank. Um, but never once was it oh how I'm living is like inherently wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it was what I knew. It was yeah. I mean it was years and years of my life, and so that was a big thing is is pinpointing what am I doing that's not biblical and then it was like, how do I fix that? And that's where I really started to see, oh man, this is why they call it addiction. Like this is something that is not, uh, you know, I take, I, I just stop just like it right cold away. turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it. So there was a process that went with that. And I'm, I'm blessed at the college I was at. There was a lot of leaders who took me in and helped me with that process. Awesome. And then the, the final thing is, uh, I would say kind of ties into the first point, but looking back, like a lot of friends that I had that I was super close with him, uh, like how I used to live and stuff like that. I try to stay in touch and not cut them out completely. And I've lost a lot of those friends over the years mm. just through the lifestyle that we were all living. Yeah. And so that's probably, I would say the most impactful thing. And even to this day, it's like, I mean, it's just so difficult for me to wrap my head around like one, I could have been there cause I was doing all that same stuff. And two, I played a part in where they're at is something I've had to wrestle through. Mm. Like I, you know, I was, I was giving them a thumbs up on all of it and encouraging them to do, do more of it. So uh, that's always a difficult thing to work through, but those are the real things. Do you currently just curious? I mean, you have a kind of a support system that is around you that, that that's there that can keep, I mean, one, you're still 23, 24, 23. So, I mean, I mean, there's, there's the, just the youthfulness of that age, but also like the past you've had, like. There's just some accountability and things that you've placed around yourself just to help you keep growing. Yeah, so I have a I have a solid group of of people that are around me, and it's 
again, it all starts from, I mean, I was just blessed immediately. And thankfully, I know I mentioned earlier that I felt like some of the Christian classmates of mine, like push me into a corner and stuff, but there was even blessing in that because it really helped me put my head down and, and grind and focus on, you know, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to, to learn things. And so I learned about mentorship pretty early on in college. They, they talked about it right away. It was just part of their program. So I have two or three leaders from college that are still in my life, uh, longtime pastors, both mm. of them, who are able to check me a lot spiritually. And then I have an uncle in ministry yeah. as well, who's like just a phenomenal leader. And on top of that, he's family. Yeah. So when you combine both of those, like I already trusted him and liked him, but then he's a solid leader. Awesome. So he's able to help. So That's I definitely cool. got a good group of people around me. And you got new people here too. Yeah. Awesome. Here on the staff. Yeah, we're, yeah. Oh, we're excited to have you here. Don't and even we're, get me we're, we're, <laughs> this staff is incredible, man. It's awesome. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, Except so the guitar. I don't really. The, the guitar is the one. <laughs> so I talked about yesterday. This kind of used the the imagery of a fog that's been mm-hmm. hanging over us, and I said you know, both the fog for adults, but also the next generation. And yeah. and one of the um, things that really displays this fog over the next gen is. Over the last two to four years, um, there has been this hockey stick increase in anxiety, depression, and even teen suicide rates. Yeah. And some research has recently come out that they've been trying to study, like, what what are some of the factors that have led to this, this hockey stick? Man, it's just, it's alarming. Mm. And um, there are three things that are at least that they, I'm not saying this is the end all of what has caused this, but these yeah. are three contributing factors. And so I just, I want to... Give those three factors, and I want to just spend the last couple minutes with this, just yeah. talking about those, and maybe you adding just some thoughts. Uh, I mean, you're around students, you see these yeah. things, how they play out, and just maybe giving a little bit more understanding of how these impact the life yeah. of teenagers. So, Great. these three excuse me contributing factors are one adolescent device addiction, um, and what's wrapped oh. into that is yeah. um, social media consumption. Yep. So, there's the adolescent device. Addiction. The second is adult or parental device addiction in the home. And then the third is unstable family environments, to which you mentioned, I think you two years old, your parents yeah. got divorced. Yep. And so there's a lot of co-parenting situations. But yeah. But let's start with like why is adolescent device addiction, social media, what why does that bring about anxiety, depression, and, and these things that they say may be caused from that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up in the like I I know I'm young, but I I was I'm old enough to remember when I had like a sidekick phone that was slide open and like I remember what it was it was crazy for people to get a touchscreen phone. So, I kind of feel like this is such an interesting thing for me to even think about because I I can see where it started and yeah, I, and I can see how it's even like yeah. rooted in my life. And so, I would say I mean, that it's a, I'm not shocked that's number 1 cuz Cell phones, like while they're useful in many ways, they're a million times more harmful and difficult and misleading because this whole sense of the algorithm, you've, I'm sure yeah. you've heard about like algorithms. That's not just like one app. Like the majority of people are like, oh, TikTok is, you know, they're, they're going to take what you, you like one video and blah, 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 blah. But like, that's what every single thing on your phone is doing. Yeah. And so as humans, we fall short, we have moments, we whatever, who who knows, even if you make an accident, your phone is catered towards paying attention and designing everything to your exactly what you do every right. single time you touch your phone. And so it's like, it's going to feed on 
on those, you know, everything that you're consuming is going to just be multiplied and immediately thrown back in your face. And when it comes to students, it's like, what are students hearing? What are, what are students around? Because at the end of the day, that's probably what they're curious about. So even if they hear something that is not relevant to their life and they're like, oh, I'm going to Google what is blah, blah, blah. Your phone's going to pick that up. Next thing you know, you're getting an ad for blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, you're getting a recommended YouTube video to watch this guy who delivers content about blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, it really is like all it takes is one move for every single thing you're seeing to be catered towards that one agenda. And that's what's so, so dangerous about it with students is it's like, they they're curious right yeah. the same way that i believe that they're curious about who god is and what it's like to have a relationship with god they're even more curious about what it is that they're being taught or what it is that their friends in their friend group are talking about and that's that's just a dangerous game when you live in a place where the majority of the people are not christian and mm. do not live yeah. you know biblically based lives hmm. so in in that regard in terms of anxiety, depression, suicide, yeah. like how would, I know you're not yeah. like a psychologist or psychiatrist, but how, how would those somehow correlate to social media? Yeah. Oh, I mean, easily like filters are, it's crazy what, what filters do. Like essentially you're taking somebody's, you're looking at somebody's best day, best moment of the day. Yeah. And most of the time it's probably not even the best part of their day. It's just a picture that they think is cute or cool. And they throw all this stuff on and slap it up and make it look like you have no, no flaws. And then they post that. And then it's like, it takes comparison, like the root of comparison immediately. You're like, mm. I'll never live up to that. And you're like, they don't even live up to that. Like that's yeah. not even really how they look or what they're doing. And it creates this anxiety in you to be like, you know, well, how can I live to be able to get into the position they're at and be able to post a picture like that or, you know, anything like that. And then as far as depression, I mean, that's that's the heaviest one. We're, we were meant to do life together. We were meant to have community mm. with actual people. And it's just so much easier, to be honest. It's just so much easier to be in a group chat with 15 people yeah. than to get a group of 15 people actually together now. And as sad as it is to say it's it removes a big chunk of the relationship like quality time i know mariah is probably big on love languages too but (laughs) like quality time that being a love language yes it's some people might prefer more than other people but the truth is every single person needs quality time a healthy relationship needs quality time like you need to spend time with each other physically yeah and what's weird about it social media and where it creates that gap for leaves room for depression and anxiety and uh, you know, could lead to suicide and stuff like that. Thoughts of suicide is that it's essentially you can be engaged with people without ever being around people. Yeah. And that's such a dangerous thing because like proximity is so important. Well, what you mentioned too, when you said everything on your phone really is aligned by algorithms, yeah. you start searching for depression, anxiety, suicide. Yeah. And yeah, you'll get some sites yeah. that will like speak positively in terms of getting over it mm-hmm. but also there's also there's reinforcement that comes and constantly yeah. just putting you kind of down that rabbit hole which yeah. is really scary to think and about it, it's also interesting to think that something i've thought about recently but culture is kind of taken like a sad turn where it's almost cool to be sad it's almost cool to go through things yeah uh, and i think that comes back to where we we're talking about how i can i feel like i meet people who are like here's what i'm going through but they're just content with it mm. and it's like it's almost like you're considered some like some there's something weird in your life if you're not going through something or you don't have a big trauma uh, like a big moment that's caused trauma and so yeah. so many people might take that 
culturally, the trend of it culturally, and start to explore it. And then, like you said, next thing you know, their whole feed is blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it's like, how can you not think or believe these things about yourself when it's all you're seeing and receiving? Yeah. Yeah. And that second factor of it's not just the, the, the teens, yeah. it's also the, the, yeah, the adults and parents. And I think that yeah. was one that struck me just because part of the survey for the research was they, they took a survey of a ton of kids and they said, mm-hmm. what's one thing you wish you could change about your parents? And the number one answer by far was, I wish they would spend less time on their phones and more time <laughs> talking to me. And they're it's talking crazy. about how in teenagers' lives, there's, there's like this independence that they want. Mm. And at times they kind of push away, but at the same time, they're also wanting affirmed yeah. and validated and have security. But now parents have their eyes down so much that they miss the cues. And so it just reinforces yeah. things that um, in the teenager's life, because we're not able to pay attention because we're, yeah. we're fixated on our own devices as well. Um, and so it's not just the student's fault. It's, mm. we've got, we all got to work on it because it's a, that's so true. Yeah. And I think it, it starts with the parents as, yeah. and I'm not, that's not me as like, I never want to be as a youth pastor. I never want to say like, it's, it's your fault as a parent. And I would never say that directly, <laughs> but yeah. I will say you are the, still the most impactful people in your kid's life yeah. as a parent. Everything you do, literally everything, more so than than me as a pastor or you as the lead pastor of the church, hmm. parents are always going to have the most influence in their life. And even alone on the, like, if you just base it off the fact alone that your parent, like you as a parent are spending time on your phone, your kid's watching and observing that yeah. forever. Yeah. And, the, and I mean, it's just crazy to think that the majority of the things that as parents, you, you might look at and see in your kids that you're like, I don't know why they do that. Or I'm not sure I like they do that. Yeah. Probably started because of something you did yeah. or didn't do or right. a cue that you missed. Yeah. yeah. And the irony of this is right now we're filming a podcast, which <laughs> yeah. people are going to watch or listen to on their phone. Yep. And so like, there's like, yeah. it's the world we live in, but we still have to yeah. like figure out how to navigate it and have boundaries. So true. Um, one other question with this particular topic, and then yep. we'll finish up. Um, the other one was unstable family environments. Hmm. Um, and there, yeah, there is, it is a big one, I guess, as a youth pastor, but also someone who, um, your, your parents were divorced at a young age. Yep. There's a lot of people still trying to navigate um, through kind of co-parenting situations. Um, anything you would say from your own personal experience to encourage uh, parents out there, particularly those maybe in the co-parenting dynamic of, of how to still um, engage in the life of their teenager? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I know how difficult that can be. And so I'm, you know, as, as a youth ministry, as a church, I'm sure you'd back this, but we want to be like, we're for you. We want to help it in any any way we can. So I'd always tell people that. But the other thing is you, I think that where I saw a lot of divide, and this is not me throwing my parents on the bus, but is like the, my mom and my dad are two totally different people, like almost polar opposites. (laughs) Mm. And so, the way they parent is naturally completely different. My mom was always the more like, I love you, so I don't like, I'm gonna kind of protect you from this type of thing where my dad was very much the, I love you, so I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna give you free range to kind of do whatever and you'll learn from that. And where I see both sides of those have benefits and both sides of those affected me, there has to be some sort of like, if it, assuming both parents are in the student's life, there has to be some sort of like, baseline 
here's what we're going to, you know, teach yeah. our kid as difficult as that may be just because if, if, you know, your kids with, for me, the, the most difficult thing, and I'm kind of stumbling, stumbling over my words here, let me just regather. But the most difficult thing was being taught two totally different sets of values mm-hmm. at two totally different houses. Yeah. Not to say one was right or wrong, but to just yeah. more, more, more emphasis on completely different areas of life. And that was where it became hard. But the the areas where I grew and it was healthy was when there was a consistent value or virtue or theme that was communicated from both sides. Yeah. And so as a parent, I would say if if you can be aligned and you you know you are divorced or split families, it's going to be more difficult, and you should recognize that, and you should take all the steps you can to get you yeah. know extra resources and help. But also, like it is important for for your kid that there's some sort of consistency among what's being said at both households. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, in light of just even knowing those kind of alarming statistics, yeah. like that it's worth it's still fighting for trying to figure out, exactly. even if we're separated, yep. what are some common foundational things that we can mm. have consistent in both households for 100%. the betterment ultimately of yeah, our for our, our kid. Daughter, it's not even kid. about, yeah. it's not even mm. for our relationship. Like I'm not even saying you, you need to be friends with, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, with, with your ex, but, but you should, for your kid, yeah, you should have some sort of consistent consistency yeah. in that. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, that's always just going to be a more difficult situation. Yeah. Um, but it's doable. Yeah. It's, it's for sure doable. And I would even say that as a student, you're probably paying more attention to your parents and how they are and the things they do when they've been walked through that. Yeah. Especially if you're old enough to like walk through it with them or be coherent and and. Yeah process what's happening when it when they walk through that it's a difficult thing yeah well and speaking of difficult things i mean that's that's why we hired you man so you're (laughs) gonna fix it all right Uh, that's what i'm here for but in all in all sincerity it it is um it's a heavy yeah uh calling but one that uh, has great promise Mm, and potential definitely and um still believe deeply that, that the best is yet to come. And so not oh. to, to write off the next generation, but to invest even more. And so to maybe finish out just this, this episode, um, I mean, people have heard just the different nuances of what teens are going through and things to be excited mm-hmm. about, but also be concerned about maybe for like one minute, what, what's your pitch for those watching, listening, they're a part of Rise City Church. Why should they, and get involved in Rice City Youth and maybe paint a picture. What What is Rice City Youth going to look like yeah. uh, in, the, in the coming days, months, and years? Hmm, that's great. I think I'll put it even in one word, influencers. I think about the world today. I think about culture. I think about everything. Everyone wants to be an influencer. And the beautiful thing is everyone's an influence, right? Yeah. You, you play a role in people's lives around you. So when I look at Rice City Youth and the future of Rice City Youth, I, I I mean, I dream and I pray for a group of students who are not just influences within the church, but they're known as influencers outside of the church. Yeah. And when I say that, I don't mean a million yeah, like, views on TikTok, right? <laughs> TikTok, like I'm yeah. saying, if, if you do that, great. But I mean, like you point people to Jesus, no matter how difficult it is, and you do that consistently. Yeah. And that's what that's the kind of students we want to we want to disciple and we want to produce. And I believe that that's what's going to happen. So as a leader, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Because there's nothing better than seeing the seeds you plant come to fruition. And there's the best place to do that is when they're in middle school and high school in the critical stages of their yeah. life when they're growing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm excited to journey with you. I'm excited <laughs> for what the future holds. Um, 
If you want to learn more or to say, yeah, I want to help, I want to help jump in to Rise to Youth, you can email this guy, Andy, right? Anthony. 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 <laughs> you go, at, did we do Anthony or Andy? We're going to do Anthony okay. at RiseCityChurch.com. Okay. Anthony at RiseCityChurch.com. And I don't know why I called you Andy right there. It's okay. It's a cool name. I get Andrew. That's what I get. When I people confuse my name, they call me Andrew. So yeah. it's okay. So Anthony at RiseCityChurch.com. I should know the name of my youth pastor. Uh, that's great. It's okay. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining with us. A lot of exciting things to come. Make sure to check out Vision Sunday. Um, if you didn't get a chance to watch or listen to it, to know what's coming up. And uh, we oh, will uh, be back next week for another episode of Digging Deeper. Thank you.